Welcome to the 151st episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Harry Dolan, author of the new mystery novel, The Last Dead Girl. Stay tuned for the interview. The Reading and Writing Podcast is sponsored by the book-loving nerds at Riffle. Riffle is an online book community that connects readers with authors and books that they'll love. Readers use Riffle to find the next book that they want to read, and authors use Riffle to make their books stand out and drive sales. Join the Riffle community now at rifflebooks.com. That's R-I-F-F-L-E-B-O-O-K-S.com, and I will have a link to that on my website and in the show notes of the podcast. Again, that's rifflebooks.com. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Harry Dolan, the author of the new crime novel, The Last Dead Girl, featuring David Lugan, the crime magazine editor at the center of Dolan's earlier novels, Bad Things Happen and Very Bad Men. Harry, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Well, can I have you read the first couple of pages from your new novel, The Last Dead Girl? Sure, I'd be happy to. They put me in a room with white tile on the walls and a pair of long fluorescent lights glaring down from the ceiling. The lights let out a slow, crackling hiss. I had a cut on my temple. It had stopped bleeding, but now it itched. I tried to ignore it. They left me there alone. Nothing in the room but a wooden table and two chairs with metal frames and padded seats. I sat in a chair, held my hands above the surface of the table. The right one trembled faintly, but you could see it. I thought about what could be causing it. More than one thing, but I knew part of it was anger. I made a fist, and the trembling stopped. An hour passed. There was no clock, but they had let me keep my watch. They'd taken everything else, Swiss Army knife, keys, everything I had in my pockets. I got up and circled the table under the hiss of the fluorescent lights, reached for the cut on my temple, felt dried blood. I crossed to the door and tried the knob. Locked. I returned to my chair and picked it up, thought about smashing something. Maybe the lights, they were glass, they would break. Then I could be angry in the dark, childish. I walked another circuit of the room, dragging the chair behind me this time, slightly less childish. The metal legs made a satisfying screech against the floor. The door opened and a uniformed cop looked in at me and frowned. I put the chair back where it belonged and sat. The door closed. A few minutes later, it opened again, and a different cop came in, one I hadn't seen before. Dressed in a gray suit with a detective's gold shield on a lanyard around his neck, he sat down across from me. Why'd you kill the girl, he said. His tone was mild, bored, bureaucratic. I studied his face. He had dark hair cut short, a heavy brow, a long, fleshy nose. His skin was olive, and he had gone too long without a shave. He must have been around 50 years old. His eyes looked tired. Seriously, I said. Yes, seriously. Does that ever work for you? He tipped his head to the side. Sometimes, he said. A cold open like that? Why'd you kill the girl, and then they just confess? You'd be surprised what works, he said. He turned his chair so he could rest an elbow on the table, drew a thumb over the stubble along his jaw. He said, why don't you tell me how you think this should go? 
I gestured at the tiled walls. You could leave me waiting here for another hour. You're not going to get all wounded on me, are you? He said, his lip curling in a ghost of a smile. I don't think you're that delicate, and I've been a little busy. You could give me your name, I said. He rubbed his chin thoughtfully. That's fair, he said. I'm Frank Moretti. You're Daryl Malone, but you go by your middle name, David. The girl was Jonna Fletcher. Somebody strangled her. She was 25, a law student at Bellamy University. How long did you know her? Ten days, I said. That's precise. I shrugged. That's how long it was. Ten days, Moretti repeated. That's fast. What are you trying to say? Nothing really, just that you got close to her in a short time. Is that a question? I asked him. It's an observation. How did you meet her? It was an accident. He gave me the lip curl again. Isn't that the way it goes? He said. Sometimes I think life is just one long string of accidents. She was in a car accident, I said, a minor one. I came along and helped her, gave her a ride home. And that was the beginning of your relationship, Marie said? Yes. When did you start sleeping with her? He asked. The question made me frown. I'm not sure I want to tell you. Why not, he said. Because it's none of your business. Actually, it is, Frank Moretti said. You could say my business is finding out things that are none of my business. I think that's a good place to stop. Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about The Last Dead Girl yet, how would you describe your new novel? Well, it's, um, it's my third novel. It's part of a series. It's, all of them have the same main character, uh, David Lugan. Um, I first introduced him in a book called Bad Things Happen, um, which is set in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, he's sort of a mysterious figure who takes a job uh, as an editor of a mystery magazine called Gray Streets. And he develops a friendship with the publisher, Tom Crystal. And the plot of that first book centers around a series of murders of people associated with the magazine, including the murder of Tom, who falls to his death from the window of his sixth floor office in what's meant to look like a suicide. Uh, David Lugan sets out to discover what really happened and who's responsible. And in that first book, he clashes with the Ann Arbor detective assigned to the case, a woman named Elizabeth Waishke. Originally, I didn't intend to do a series, but uh, when people read that first manuscript, uh, a lot of people told me that the characters would work for a series. So I wrote a second book uh, called Very Bad Men, with the same central characters, David Lugan and Elizabeth Waishke. And that one centered around uh, a decades-old uh, robbery. And there was a killer who was uh, targeting the men who took part in that robbery. So this third book uh, is a little different. It's a prequel. In my first two books, uh, David Lugan, the main character, is in his late 30s. This one is set in the 1990s, and he's 26. And uh, The Last Dead Girl is a story about um, Jana Fletcher, a young law student who's murdered because she's participating in a, um, an innocence project. She's working to exonerate uh, a man in prison who she thinks has been falsely convicted of murder. 
and the story is uh, grows around that. Um, David Lugan is romantically involved with her, and uh, when she dies, he takes it on himself to uh, to find her killer. Gotcha. So as you as you just mentioned, the the um, uh, the last dead girl, David Lugan is is younger, and it's a prequel to your to your first two novels. Did, had you had when you were working on those first two novels, were you already thinking about the last dead girl and that it would be set earlier, or, or is that something that came about when you started seriously thinking about the third novel? And, and what was that? What was that thought process like for you to kind of do a prequel? Um, I did not. I hadn't had it in mind uh, when I wrote those earlier novels. And when I wrote the first book, I thought it would be a, just a standalone. I didn't even think that I would do a series. Um, but uh, the idea from The Last Dead Girl actually, uh, it started with the victim, with Jana Fletcher and her involvement in this Innocence Project. Uh, I think I first became aware of the Innocence Project around... Um, time of the OJ trial in the 1990s, Barry Sheck, one of OJ Simpson's attorneys, founded this project to mostly they use DNA evidence to exonerate innocent people who've been imprisoned. And I thought that made an interesting, uh, uh, you could design a good plot around that mm -hmm. since um, you have the idea of an innocent man serving time in prison for murder, which implies that there's someone, the actual killer is still at large and, uh, the tension is already built into that situation. So, I mean, that's this, that's where this uh, novel started with that, just that situation and the, the victim, this young law student who's, who's murdered. Gotcha. Gotcha. So have you always written fiction? What, what was your path to writing your first novel? Bad things happen. Was that the first novel that you tried to write? No, actually I, um, I studied philosophy in college, and I worked um, for about 10 years as an editor of a philosophy journal uh, during the 1990s. But I always had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to write fiction. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess it was around 1999 that I left that full-time job that I had uh, editing this academic journal, and I decided to try my hand at a novel. Uh, the first novel that I wrote was not Bad Things Happen. It was an earlier one. Uh, it just took me about two and a half, three years to write. It was kind of an odd hybrid of it was part crime novel, part romance, part coming-of-age story. <laughs> it wound up being about 800 pages long in manuscript. And uh, when I sent it around to agents, they were quick to inform me that uh, <laughs> it wasn't the most marketable thing that they'd ever seen. Um <laughs> So I took that experience. I mean, it was very useful writing it, and I, I, I'm proud of that first book. It's never been published, but um, I took that experience and I decided to focus more on writing a, uh, a, something that's more definitively a crime novel, and uh, that's when I wrote Bad Things Happen. Gotcha. And, and I know that, I know that, uh, bad things happen was eventually published because of your participation in the Amazon breakthrough novel contest. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? How, how does that work and how did that contribute to you getting published? Sure. Yeah. There's actually the Amazon breakthrough novel award 
that contest started in 2008, and I heard about it, uh, I think, uh, that fall. And, um, and um, I, had, I had this manuscript written, and I had sent it around to some agents trying to get some interest in this manuscript. Bad things happen. And um, I wasn't really getting anywhere with it. So I decided that I had nothing to lose. I would just submit it to this contest that Amazon was holding. And um, it sort of took off from there. I wound up being in, uh, finishing in the top three. They had readers voting on the excerpts from these manuscripts. And they also had a, a professional panel of uh, judges for the contest. One of them was Elizabeth Gilbert, who had, at that time had just come out with Eat, Pray, Love. And another one was Amy Einhorn, who was a publisher starting her own imprint at the time. And Amy Einhorn read my manuscript and liked it. And uh, uh, I didn't actually win the Amazon contest, but uh, I got a publishing contract out of it. So in a sense, I did win. That's great. That's great. And and what was the what was the editing process like once you started working with, with Amy? Uh, that first book... Um, the main thing that we did with that one, uh, Amy thought it was a little long and it, uh, it was a little bit slow in the middle. Um, so the main thing we did there was uh, I cut about 40 pages out of it. Um, mainly just got that by going through line by line and uh, trimming things out line by line, paragraph by paragraph. Um, but uh, we've we developed a relationship where Amy, my editor, gives me, uh, when I turn the manuscript in, she'll give me several single space pages of notes on what she thinks needs to be done with it. And, uh, and then she lets me, she leaves me free to sort of do the, do the edits myself. So I think that's a good system. Um, especially since I have a background myself as an editor, I've got mm -hmm. a lot of experience, uh, working with manuscripts like that. Sure. And, and what was that process like? I mean, you worked at this journal for, for, for many years. Um, it, do you think that, that that experience translated for your own fiction writing of, of learning how to edit yourself? And I think it, I think it did. Yeah. I mean, I, I learned a lot just cutting that first manuscript. Bad things happen. Uh, I trim me about, I think 10% of the manuscript were cut out. And uh, that's um, that's what I find the main thing is, is to, um, is to cut, uh, to trim things that are ne unnecessary and just to keep the story moving. And uh, I found that when you trim every unnecessary word you can find, you strengthen the work. Um, that was a big lesson that I learned on that first book. That's great. So, so what is your writing process like for, for your novels? Do you plot and plan extensively p before, uh, starting the novel? I do. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, with that first novel, bad things happen. I had, uh, practically a chapter by chapter outline. I had all the major twists of the plot in mind. I had the ending pretty clearly in mind. Um, with the second book and this third book, The Last Dead Girl, I sort of 
uh, loosened up a little bit on the on the outlining. I mean, I still do fairly extensive outlining, and I know where a lot of the, the twists in the plot are going to be. But um, I'm not so obsessive about getting every everything settled in advance before I start writing. I find that I can uh, sort of keep on plotting as I go along, so that I'm working, you know, thinking about a few chapters in advance as I'm writing. Gotcha. And uh, I found that it works that way. And uh, this this book, The Last Dead Girl, I mean, when I started writing it, I didn't know the ending. I mean, I knew that somehow the, that uh, David Logan, the main character, would be confronting the killer, but uh, I didn't know how that would play out. And uh, I discovered it, how it would go as I went along. So it worked out. That's great. Well, I, I know The Last Dead Girl has just been published, as we discussed, but have you started thinking about or even writing your next novel yet? I have started working on it, yeah. It's, um, it's going to be something a little different. Uh, it's going to be a standalone novel with a different main character, which is uh, it's liberating to be writing about somebody else. It's also a little bit scary because uh, I've gotten used to uh, to writing about David Lugan and, and his voice. So yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a new something entirely new, uh, standalone book. That's great. Well, what what books or writers have you read in the last year or two that that made an impact on you and that you would recommend, either fiction or nonfiction? Sure, um, I think I mean the writer that's influenced me the most is probably Lawrence Block, who wrote. Uh, the Matthew Scudder detective novels and the Bernie Rodenbar mysteries. Um, I've been reading him since I was a teenager and um, learned a lot from him about writing dialogue and plotting and all that good stuff. Um, so he's one of my, definitely one of my favorites. Um, recently I've been reading, uh, I just read uh, Lee Child's Never Go Back. I think that's... Um, one of the better books in his uh, Jack Reacher series. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now I'm working on reading um, Karen Slaughter, uh, her novel Unseen, uh, one of her Will Trent novels, which I think are very good. Um, but some other authors, I love Jeffrey Deaver for you know the plot twists and sure. uh, predictable stuff that he does. Um, Tana French is a great novelist. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's written In the Woods and The Likeness and Broken Harbor. Mm-hmm. I like her a lot. And uh, Laura Lippman. Um, Donna Tart just read, just read Donna Tart's new book, The Goldfinch. Yep. Great. Well, um, again, we've been speaking with Harry Dolan, the author of new, the new crime novel, The Last Dead Girl. The book is in bookstores now, so go grab a copy. And Harry, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you very much. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.